Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, big weekend for the Rays and a series win over the Texas Rangers. Two great pitching performances. The debut of Brendan McKay retired the first 16 batters he faced in the majors on Saturday. And Blake Snell strikes out 12. He allows three hits through six innings on Sunday. First consecutive victories for the Rays, get this, since June 9th and 10th. But the team is uh, just two games up in the first wildcard spot, seven games behind the first-place Yankees. And the Rays get two players named to the All-Star team, Austin Meadows and Charlie Morton, both selected by the players. We'll tell you what they had to say. NBA free agency is underway, and, oh, it's tough to be a Knicks fan. $60 million in cap room, but they won't pull the trigger on a max contract for Kevin Durant with that Achilles injury, so he goes to Brooklyn along with Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. NHL free agency begins at noon today. What will the Bolts do? They've had one player in, but he went to Dallas. We'll tell you who they're targeting. And the U.S. women's soccer team, if you remember on Friday, that big win over France 2-1 to in the quarterfinal. They play England on Tuesday. And we are just 20 days from the Bucks rookies reporting to training camp, 24 days for the Vets. Jameis Winston and Mike Evans, by the way, they're 100-1 to to become the MVP of the league. I'll give you my thoughts on what those two guys have going, maybe the best thing the Bucs have entering the 2019 season. So we've got all of that on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Hey, if you'd like to be one of our sponsors to this podcast, we've got lots of new ways you can do that. We're growing bigger every day. Our advertisers are showing great success, and you will too. So now here's what you do. For more information, contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTV, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you guys be part of our team. All right, so Steve, you know, the Rays had that 18-inning game in their finale there in Minnesota, which was just uh, matched the longest game they've ever played. you got to credit them for winning that game, especially on the road in extra innings, but I think it took a bite out of them when they got back about 2 a.m., I guess uh, in the morning they they looked like a tired team the next day they got shut out in the opener. My comment after the game was they looked like a team who played 18 innings after a rain delay and got home <laughs> at 2 a.m. It's exactly right. And the, then, the Rangers and got some early runs and the Rays kind of went went through the motions the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah, but after a good night's sleep and a little bit of a boost I think um not just the way he per- performed but just the idea of uh, of seeing the debut uh, Brendan McKay, I mean, of course, this was the kid from Louisville. It's kind of a two-way player, if you will, um, you know, who has quickly moved up through the ranks uh, in the minors and, uh, you know, from college to, to the minor leagues and now all the way to the big leagues. In June 20, 2017, he was a collegian. He was drafted uh, in June 2018. He was Class A Player of the Year, and then now here he is in the majors. And he makes his debut, not sure – you know, I wasn't sure really what to expect. I had not seen him pitch. I'd seen, you know, just uh, clips of him and whatnot. Not not the hardest thrower in the world. I mean, I think, you know, he can maybe top out at 95, but basically around 92, 93. But, boy, you want to talk about command. I mean, this guy works. He works the zones. He's got four good pitches, none of them exceptional necessarily, but 
can locate the baseball and to come out and I mean imagine I mean making your first major league start you got to be a little bit nervous but they said this guy was just as cool and composed as he could be before the game during the game uh, and he goes out there and retires the first 16 batters he faced man that is a hell of a performance to start your major league career with well Kevin Cash mentioned uh, before the game I think it was on Friday that you know that 18 inning game may be the best thing that ever happened to Brendan McKay's career because many weren't yeah. expecting him to be up till after the All-Star break. Probably the day they had a doubleheader against Baltimore. Um, I think it's the not the first weekend after the break, but the second one. Um, but that may be the time he gets called. That's what Mark Topkin was speculating and many others. Uh, but with the 18-inning game, they needed some help. He gets called up. And, you know, he was impressive. Not only his stature, but he had a plan and knew what he wanted to do. And then yeah. he executed it. And, and nothing was phasing him and, and you know tremendous performance and exactly what you hoped for from you know when, when you call somebody up one of the biggest things is when you're calling young players up is you want to make sure you put them in a position they're not going to fail because you know a lot of this is about confidence in that and you know they had a need to bring him up so they did and, and you know by all indications you know his stuff wise he's he's ready for the majors but you worry about the confidence and the you know how you handle the situation and all the family in town and you know everything that goes with that um, and it probably helped a little bit too that he came up a day early, was on the taxi squad on Friday, you know, wasn't called up to start the next day. Um, so that probably helped too. But, you know, just a lot of composure from the kid, which really impressed me. He sat down the Rangers in order for the first five times through the lineup or through the order, and mm-hmm. he threw no more than 18 pitches in any one inning. 81 pitches total, 55 of those were for strikes. So he goes five and a third, allows just the two base runners, and, and the Rays win five to two. Uh, it, it was it was really impressive. And, you know, again, for a guy that, uh, you know, I mean, this is this, this is a guy who hasn't had as much success trying to hit. I mean, you know, he's mm-hmm. he, he got injured. So he was sort of uh, I, I think he was in. I, I don't know whether they allowed him to hit as much uh, at one point or not. I know in triple A uh, he had four home runs in his first 49 at bats, which isn't bad. Um, but he's. His pitching you know, has definitely progressed faster his than his pitching hitting. has progressed faster, yeah. And so he may get some at bats at some point. He's gonna pitch mm-hmm. again on Friday against the uh, against the Yankees, of course, who are over in uh in, who are averaging like eight pond. runs a game over their last two weeks or something Jeez, like that. It's crazy, man. What'd you tell me? They've won like twelve out of thirteen. I or believe something it's like thirteen that? out of fourteen they've won now after they swept uh, Boston gosh. in London over the weekend, scoring football scores. That's, that's incredible. In four and a, yeah. four and a half hour games. Yeah, they they had to love those over there. <laughs> was it? They had to leave because the trains were moving, or yeah, something yeah. Like the that? Saturday night game. So the game goes four hours and forty two minutes. Granted, it was seventeen to thirteen was the score, but <laughs> they had to make an announcement like in the sixth or seventh inning that hey, the trains are getting ready to close. Check your schedules. You know which train you're on. So fans were leaving. I mean, they couldn't stay. You know, they're used yeah. to soccer games, which are over in two hours. Right. Sure. Yeah. Big I'm not crowds, sure what though. cricket is, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's. I think it's a much faster game than that for sure. I mean, the Red Sox and the Yankees are you know play the longest games in this in this continent. Why wouldn't they do it over there? Mm-hmm. Um, so at least they got to experience Red Sox Yankees baseball. And one more, thing, I, I did like runs. a tweet by Mark Kerrig, who's a national baseball writer. He said, "Per Elias, since the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand, the Yankees are four and zero on European soil." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, baseball, you know, it took them so long. I mean, the NFL's been doing this now for years, right? So um, there's money to be made over there. Next year, I think it's the Cardinals and the Cubs, I want to say, go over there. I um, think they got some more more international games planned. So 
baseball extending its reach uh, across the pond. Uh, back here in the States, though, on Sunday it was Blake Snell, and, of course, he had had uh, a couple of two or maybe even three pretty tough outings there, especially the last two. But he talked about how he felt good, you know, that uh, uh, he felt his command was pretty good, especially this last outing. He threw a lot of fastballs um, before Sunday. But then on Sunday he was back to his old self. Uh, he pitched very, very well. He, he struck out 12, which is a pretty high number for him, and allowed only three hits through six innings. A bunt single, a single uh, in the second, and I think Elvis Andrews had a single and then a big home run shot by uh, Joey Gallo. Um, but uh, that was pretty much it. So, I mean, look, the Rays aren't going to go very far, and they're battling still for the first wild card spot. They have the lead there, um, but they're going to need Blake Snell to do his part, that's for sure. So it was good to see Snell uh, get back in it. And then the bats came alive. You know, Kevin Kiermeyer had a pretty good series. Yandy Diaz was on base. Willie Adamas is uh, swinging a hot bat that started on the road for him. So they're starting to get uh, starting to get some guys hot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and look, we wrapped up this June, and we said this June's going to be a tough schedule. I mean, they played nine series in June, and this is all part of. At one point, they had what thirty-four games and or thirty-three games in thirty-four days, and forty-seven and forty-eight or something like that. But June, sure. particularly, so they they had nine series in the month of June, eight of them against teams that are either in the playoffs or within a couple games of the wild card. They only had one series against a team that you would say is out of out of playoff contention at this point, and it was a rough month. But they're still two games up in the wild card. Yeah, they're seven games back of the Yankees overall, who are just on incredible pace right now. And, you know, the Rays did not play well. And, you know, some of the players like Austin Meadows, you know, who was batting 350 something going into June is now batting 290 ish. Yep. Um, you know, when you say the bats go cold, and they've had some injuries in that. But you come out of June, two games up in the wild card, and now you're going to fa- start facing a schedule. You've got Boston and New York coming up, but you're getting a lot more of the Orioles and the White Sox and the Blue Jays. Um, coming up in your schedule too, that can that can help you too. And the All Star breaks should be a big help for this team too. I think they could use that break. They need it. And um, I'll say this about the pitching: you know, their their bullpen is still unsettled. But you go back to uh, that game, that eighteen inning game in Minnesota. the The Twins scored twice in the first mm-hmm. inning, which means that they shut them out. And that's that's one of the best, if not the best, hitting team in the American League. Mm-hmm. They shut them out for seventeen innings in the bullpen. I mean, they were down to zero pitchers left. Um, you know, by the time they had Yarbrough in the game to finish. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, no matter what you think of, you know, do, do they have issues? Yeah, they definitely do, especially in the back end. Some of the closers, um, you know, the situation, of course, with Diego Castillo and Jose Alvarado, and that has been, he's has been back shaky. Now. He's back now. But, um, you know, missing him hurt for sure. But there's, it's, still, it's still a deep uh, and fairly talented pitching staff. And, you know, if you if you start and you look down the road, um, you know, I mean, they've got some guys that can help them. If McKay, I don't know how long McKay will stay here. I mean, he's going to pitch Friday against the Yankees. Yeah, they said two starts um, for sure until you get to the All-Star game, and then they were going to evaluate. Yeah, I mean, he's pitched about 60 innings, and they think he could maybe go well over 100, like 100, 130 maybe um, is even possible. So... You know, that would be a big lift for them if they ever got, you know, Glass now back, which he's had a setback. So, well, that, that's exactly where McKay where is, you know, it's so important that he did well and, and you're hoping he can continue to do well is that, you know, Glass now doesn't look like he's going to come back as soon as the All Star break's done, which is what right. your hope was all along when he was moved mm-hmm. to the 60 day DL, which, you know, because initially they said it was what, a four to six week injury. That's right. And they had transferred him to the 60 day DL to make some room on the roster. 
when they had a lot of hurt players. I believe for the, all those catchers that they were hurt. Mm-hmm. And they said it was not a setback. Well, now he's had a setback, and it, it you know you're not sure what you're going to get from him the rest of the season, which is a really a shame the way he started the season. And oh, speaking my, of all stars, yeah. you know, had he continued that way, he would have been an all star. Sure, and and was on his way to uh, you know I mean was pitcher of the month of course for uh, for April and uh, the one day of March or whatever. But you know I, I mean. <laughs> If you keep obviously, if you keep that up, you're in the Cy Young conversation. But yeah, he could have easily made the All Star team. The two players that did, though, uh, that were named to the All Star team on, and they found out on Sunday was Austin Meadows, who you just mentioned, and Charlie Morton, both selected by the players. You know, a, a very, um, I thought, candid and illuminating conversation uh, with Austin Meadows after the game that the guys had, and um, you know. I thought he was. I thought he was very honest, and and this is something we, you know, you don't think about. Like, it, you know, at one point Meadows was in the conversation for being in the runoff, right? You know, they do it the new way they do the All Star team and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing now, and he was getting a, a lot of of uh, publicity. I mean, he was, he was, you know, he's batting three three forty nine at that point, and, and and deservedly so. But you know, he's a young player who has had a lot of injuries his last four or five seasons. Um, been back and forth, you know, in Pittsburgh. And, and back and forth in the minors and whatnot. And he gets his shot with the Rays. And, and, you know, from spring training on, they tell him, hey, you're on this ball club, just relax. And he gets off to a blistering start. But then the all-star talk, you know, according to Meadows, actually caught up with him a little bit. That, that you know, you're, you're checking the, you know, you're sort of checking the internet every day to see where you stand in voting or you're reading things about yourself. I mean, this is high, you know, this is, as I used to say, high cotton stuff or whatever. I mean, this is stuff that you don't, you dream about, you know. I mean, for a kid in his first season with the Rays to accomplish this, and, and it, it was heady for him to be in this conversation. And, and I, he said it affected him. And, I, and you can really see why that would happen, you know. You're, you're trying to validate, you know, why you're getting so much attention and the fact that you're hitting, you know, 349. You're trying to maintain that, obviously. Um, and it worked against him. It, he went into a slump, and like you said, he's lost some almost 50 points um, mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks, but he still managed to be selected by the players. So that, that's a very, very big deal for that young kid. Well, not only his first you know, year with the Rays, but this is his first full season in the majors. In the majors, he yeah. Had played, he played 59 games last year, 49 for Pittsburgh, 10 for the Rays. So, yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is essentially his rookie you know, his campaign. Rookie, I mean, he's not a rookie, rookie because yeah. he played enough right. games last year, but – Right, you know, this is his first full season. That stuff, yeah. that, you know, we forget sometimes that these players are, you know, they're human. They have, you know, problems at home or kids or wives or girlfriends or, mm-hmm. you know, they 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 hear the the people talking about you should be an all star. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you should be doing this this. I mean, you know, they can be affected by that, and particularly younger players, I think, can be affected even more because they haven't been through this before. They have they don't know how to handle that, um, you know, and I, I think. You know, he from all accounts, he's he's handled it pretty well. He yeah, he's gone into a slump, and you know he's not hitting as well as he was, but you know it hasn't let it affect his work ethic and the way he's going about the game, which is good. Yeah, and I think now that he knows he's in the All Star game, that uh, you'll probably see him relax more at the plate and, and start to pick it up again because he, he won't have this as his focus anymore, and he has something to look forward to uh, coming up in Cleveland. And then Charlie Morton uh, makes the All Star team as well. Now he's going to pitch on Sunday, so he won't be eligible to play in the game. Uh, on Tuesday uh, against, you know, in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is only, you know, he was selected last year as a member of the Houston Astros for the first time at any level. He had mm-hmm. never been an all-star. 
Um, and so, you know, you can imagine what that was like for him at age, what, 34 or whatever he was. Yep, 34. Uh, and, He's 35 and, and now. To have, yeah, to have him be 35 and come to the race, not knowing exactly what to expect from the team, the team hoping they'll get the same Charlie Morton that the Astros had. But, you know, I mean, again, at his age, you're not really sure. And all he does is go out there and, you know, puts up an eight and two record in the in the uh, you know the first half or sixteen starts, whatever he's made, uh, in an ERA that's as as good as anyone in baseball. So, well, you were hoping um, that he would be as good as last year. He's actually been better. He's been a little better. This yeah. is the best ERA he's ever had at two four three, which last mm-hmm. season was his best at, at three one three. So he's seven tenths of a run better. He's got a right. better strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, you know, he's been he's been the best pitcher on the Rays. You know, barring you know Tyler Glass now short stint. You know, before he got hurt, but you know he's been. You know, who would have thought that when you were going in that Tyler Glass now and Charlie Morton would be outperforming Blake Snell significantly this season? <laughs> exactly. Now, you know, and Blake no, Snell. It's... Hopefully, he's figured it out. And and you know, his season's been puzzling because it doesn't seem like he doesn't have good stuff when he's out there. When Blake's been yeah. out there, it's it's not like you know. I, I think at one point he was probably tipping pitches, and he they kind of hinted at that and. They think they figured mm-hmm. that out, and he got better for a few games, and then all of a sudden, now he, you know, he struggled again. And then now, obviously, Sunday he did much better. But you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's you know, you, when you hear him talk, you hear Kyle Snyder talk and Kevin Cash talk. You know, they don't believe there's anything physically wrong. They're, right? They're not really sure why he's you know at an ERA that going into Sunday was above five. It's below there now, but yeah. Well, look, I mean, teams teams adjust, and you're going to get their best. They know you're the Cy Young Award winner on the mound, so they have to they have to bring it themselves. And I think a lot of times too, they've talked more about his pitch sequencing than they have anything else. And you know, I I don't know. I think it's human nature. Like you know, Blake Snell is a driven guy. Obviously, he wanted to be the best left-hander in baseball, and he was uh, the best pitcher in the American League last year. And I think sometimes these guys, whether it's and I, I, this is not a great comparison, but just stay with me here. You know, Tiger Woods, I mean, what more could you do, right? Um, the guy was a phenom uh, right off the bat, you know, on the PGA Tour winning all those majors. And yet he always wanted to get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, try something a little bit different. You know what I mean? They're always mm-hmm. tinkering. And sometimes, you know, the best approach is the simplest, right? You know, whatever whatever you did before, just keep doing that. <laughs> you know, like you're Tiger freaking Woods. You don't need to do anything different. So, um, you know, that could have been the case with Blake Snell, too. He talked about, you know, not attacking hitters with the fastball as much. And then, you know, to overcompensate for that, um, his, his outing before this one, the previous one before this one, he was throwing 80% fastballs. And then, you know, I think you're, you're sort of advertising to major league hitters that, um, you know, he's going to come after you with the heat early on and then try to put you away with breaking pitches and became a little too predictable, you know, and maybe his command wasn't quite what it needed to be. So, um, but this this game, he put it all together, and he looked like Blake Snell. And the good thing about him is he hasn't really shown, at least outwardly, um, any sort of cracks. You know what I mean? Like, he's been fairly unflappable both before and after games and during games, even even when things weren't going well. And I think that's what you want to see because I think, you know, for a young guy like that enjoying his first big success like he has last year, you know, for him to sort of uh, not fall to pieces, <laughs> you know, and not think of this as a one-year wonder, you know, type thing. I mean, he is being very consistent, and we know about baseball and how, um, you know, that is that is the mark of this game is, is whether you can be consistent. It's the hardest thing to do, and, and he has not changed his approach or his demeanor or has not been snarky after games. I mean, he has 
you know, he has sort of just methodically gone about his job, and I think that's a good sign of maturity. And like you said, with his stuff, um, you know, when, when he's feeling it like he was on, on Sunday. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, you know, the guy's virtually unhittable. So uh, that was a big game for the Rays because they need that guy every five days to stop losing streaks, you know, to be counted on to go deep into games, especially when you have the opener and the bulk inning guys and all of that. So uh, I think it was I think it was a great weekend for the Rays. I mean, to come home, first of all, after that, you know, ridiculous long road trip, uh, basically two games on the final day um, with no day, with just one day off on the road and, and playing Minnesota and then, um, you know, to finally win a series, which they hadn't done since early June. Um, that was that was just huge for them. So we'll see where they go forward with with this. Kevin Cash, by the way, see he got run for only the ninth time in his career. Umpire uh, Bruce Dreckman uh, got him out of there in the uh, bottom of the second after uh, he questioned a call that was really a pitch that was outside on Avisel Garcia. And uh, you know I like Cash. He's not he's not one to really like. You know some guys are just prone to getting tossed all the time and uh, argue for argument's sake, but. He actually, he actually had a good take about it. Like he went out there to save his player because mm-hmm. something, something was going to happen to Garcia. So you know, he kind of took one for the team there. That's, and, that's what uh, the good managers do. It's you know, hey, yeah. look, throw me out, don't throw my player out. Right. You know, right. Let, let me let me be the bad guy. Let me let me take mm-hmm. the heat. You know, if I right. if I leave, the, you know, the the product on the field isn't changing. Yeah, maybe some of the decisions you make do, but right. but better than you know taking out your right fielder or your number three or four hitter. Sure. And he tied uh, Lou Pinella for third most ejections on the Rays at nine. That's 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 yeah. a big comparison there. And that's you, you don't company. see you don't see as many ejections now because of replay. Replay, right? I mean, sure. you know, balls and strikes are about the only thing you really see argued anymore. That's right. Yep, everything's handled in New York. So even if they get it wrong and they, you don't like the replay review or whatever, well, you can't really complain to the home plate umpire or anybody on the on the on the team or on the crew there because it's all taken someplace else. So yeah. It has reduced them, and um, but you know Matt Quattro gets his his first, I guess, win as the uh, interim, if you will. Got the uh, beer shower after the game and all that. So um, yeah, they they did a nice job, and um, it, it was a good weekend for them. Now smallest crowd they've had on a Sunday, just a little over eleven thousand, I think. Mm-hmm. I get two dollar tickets probably, for the next three days. Yeah, so they're going to be big crowds, I would imagine, or bigger crowds for that. Um, with the Baltimore Orioles coming into town. And we'll see. Like you said, the, the schedule is going to flip a little bit. Of course, they got the Yankees coming up uh, on the weekend and then into the All-Star break. So they'll try to wrap up the first half. They're still, what, 48-36. and 36. That's not bad. 12 games over 500 with uh, the losing, uh, the bad June swoon that they've had. Still a chance to, uh, you know, to try to just win series. And that's, that's what they were doing for most of the first half. Uh, NBA free agency, I mentioned, it's underway. Um, you know, there's every year this time, it's uh, you know such a conversation about the New York Knicks and and what they're going to do. Uh, and it looked like you know with the sixty million dollars in cap room they had, they were going to be able to offer some max contracts. But no, no, uh, they did not do so, especially with Kevin Durant 
uh, who's coming off the Achilles injury, of course, that he suffered in the finals. But uh, he goes to Brooklyn, which is pretty close to pretty close to home if you're a Knicks fan. Uh, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets get him. They also get Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. That's going to be interesting. Maybe not next year, but certainly two years from now. That's that's going to be a team to watch, no doubt. Yeah, the NBA offseason is almost more exciting. It, it actually really is more exciting than the regular season. Sure it is. Um, sure it is. Even more so than the NFL, which has perfected making you know the offseason go year-round. Absolutely. Um, but the NBA offseason, it, it's crazy the way the players are moving teams and get together mm-hmm. and form super team. I mean, that's a league where the players are ultimately in control. Yes. You know, where football is the exact opposite. The players mm-hmm. have almost no control in football. That's right. That's right. And you're going to see a lot of tweets from football players talking about, oh, my God, I should have played basketball. Well, you know, before you get jealous of uh, the NBA salaries, recognize there's only, you know, five on a court and 12 on a team. So a little harder to make it. But, uh, um, yeah, you're right. I heard um, – I think it was Colin Coward. I want to give credit where credit's due. But he's talking about – I thought it was an interesting take, you know, in talking about LeBron James. And, you know, there there is talk uh, that, you know, he might be, you know, trying to form – you know, a super team again in, in Los Angeles, of course, uh, which, which makes sense that he would try to do that. But, you know, people, I think, I think James, you know, got a lot of, obviously a lot of flack for his first decision to go to Miami with Chris, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade uh, and formed that super team. And of course, won his first championship there and then went back to Cleveland and won, I thought, you know, with Kyrie and a lesser team, Kevin Love and those guys. Um, but LeBron knows now, you know, I mean, he, he, he sees the big picture. I mean, the whole, the whole take was that, you know, this is a guy that isn't really all that worried. He's had the comparisons to Jordan and all this, but what he lo- he's a big historian of the game. When he looks back and he sees these great teams, right, these world championship teams, whether it was, you know, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dennis Johnson, these guys, or the Lakers, you know, uh, with Showtime and, and Magic Johnson, who had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy and those guys. I mean, all those championship teams – had great players. They just did it through the draft. They were able to keep those teams together um, because they didn't break them up with free agency every year. And so, uh, you know, LeBron understands that, and he understands that he needs to to play with great players to win championships. And so he's gone about it his own way, which is, you know, again, the players taking control and forming forming teams and alliances and, and going to the same teams and trying to trying to become, you know, contenders for a championship. So I, I don't begrudge what's going on. I know it might be tough for NBA fans. And, you know, certainly if you're a Knicks fan, you're probably not all that excited about what happened in Brooklyn. But, um, but I get it. And uh, that's, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be quite a team uh, when and if uh, Kevin Durant. I guess they said, the Knicks owner said, that he wasn't all that convinced uh, to give a max contract to a guy like Kevin Durant who, who – was coming off the Achilles, didn't know if he would be the same player. And I think that's that's fair, but Knicks fan doesn't want to hear that. So, Yeah, Knicks fans were looking – I mean, they, you know, they think they got screwed out of Zion Williamson, which mm-hmm. is what they were, you know, hopefully tanking for all season. Hoping for the lottery get, ball, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah, at some point, as the owner of the Knicks, you got to give your fans something to cheer for. Sure you do. I mean, if you really think about it, the Knicks are becoming an irrelevant franchise. Totally. The players that are coming up today don't remember a time the Knicks were good. They don't. No, it's been too long, far too long. I mean, you're talking. You know, I mean, you know, Patrick Ewing had his day, obviously, and, and and some of those guys. But before that, you know, what Dave DeBusher? I mean, Clyde Frazier, you know, Earl Monroe. Um, you know, these these are old men now. So, 
but Madison Square Garden, of course, you know, was once the the mecca of the NBA, and 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 it could be that way again. But um, I know it's gonna. I know it, it it crushed Stephen A. Heard him on the internet talking about it. So that's and especially speaking of free agency, you got the NHL free agency starting today, right at noon. It does. Uh, so. Uh Couple things. Uh, Joe Pavelski was uh, in town, a Sharks, uh, yeah. longtime Sharks player. Looks like he's going to sign a three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal with Dallas. Mm-hmm. So those were the two teams he had visited: were Tampa Bay and Dallas. So it looks like he's going to go there. Looks like the Lightning are going to sign Luke Shen, who's a defenseman who's played most recently at Vancouver. Uh, that's going to be a one-year, seven hundred thousand dollar deal. It looks like so, okay. kind of a depth defenseman, another right-handed shot defenseman, which is what they're always looking for. Um, you know, most likely. You know, at this point, he's one of your six defensemen you kind of have on the roster, but he'll most likely, him and Jan Ruda may compete for the sixth defenseman spot on the team, or they may sign some others too, but some good, a good depth signing it looks like they're going to get. Um, no word on as far as restricted free agent Braden Point yet, uh, any offer sheets and all that. Those, uh, I don't remember when the deadline to, to make those, but you don't always know if an offer sheet comes in. Um, they're not necessarily made public unless someone decides to say so. Um, so we'll see if anyone makes an offer sheet. But if anyone wants to offer sheet Braden Point, the Lightning will have a chance to match it. If they choose not to match it, you have to give up four number one picks for the kind of money that he'd most likely command. Wow. Yeah, I don't think Braden Point's going anywhere, but um, that's still a contract, a big contract they have to do and something to watch in the off season. As far as uh, also over the weekend, U.S. women's soccer team, they beat France, which mm-hmm. was a much-anticipated game, 2-1. to one. In the quarterfinal, they now play England on Tuesday. Uh, this this could be uh, this might be harder than the uh, than the final, I guess, if they get past England, right? A lot of people thought France and U.S. were the best two teams in the world, although England and Germany are right up there as well. So, mm-hmm. the U.S. has to play two of those back to back as far as France and, and now England. Um, now, granted, right. you were on France's home soil too, so that was you know part of that. Uh, and France sure. was trying to become the first country to hold both the women's and men's titles at the same time course that obviously didn't happen with the loss but u.s i thought u.s played a good game i thought they got an early lead and then kind of sat back i mean you know they, they were commenting on the broadcast how um coach jill ellis was saying that you know france doesn't want the ball so you know france had the ball a lot and they're not really good creating that way they're better on counters and and creating that way and when you give them the ball they struggle a little bit to String passes back-to-back and move up the field, and, and that strategy kind of worked because France dominated the possession, but they weren't getting a ton of great scoring opportunities. That's interesting. Sort of rope-a-dope there with them. So that'll be fun to watch as we uh, head into uh, head into this week. And then I wanted to mention uh, just, just uh, ever so briefly here, you know, all these lists are coming out. I love the offseason when we're really, we're really deep into the offseason now. This is when that the NFL just shuts down in terms of, uh, you know, the NFL offices are closed. A lot of teams let their employees go away. Uh, usually, you know, this week heading into the 4th of July, sometimes a week after that is really the vacation times for the coaches, the GMs, the personnel did, staff. Did everybody. you see the news coming out of the league office for this week? Mm-mm. Roger Goodell, they held a staff meeting, and he announced that they were closing the NFL offices for <laughs> I, the whole week of 4th of right, July. I, it was the biggest I, ovation he's gotten that. ever there, they said. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, Raj was a popular guy for a change. It's so funny, you know. I, 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 I know Roger a little bit. I mean, I've done some stuff, hosted something with him once and, and see him at the owners' meetings, and he really is a man without a country. I mean, because he's employed by these 32 owners, uh, and they all have their own opinions of him. Obviously, Robert Kraft isn't a big fan necessarily, and there are others. I don't think Jerry um, Jones is either. 
Jerry Jones isn't a big fan. So you see him walking around, and he, he is a man without a country. He just kind of wanders around. So I feel for Roger at times, although I shouldn't hit $40 million a year or whatever he makes. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was interesting. So, they, so this time of year, you see a lot of lists, right? You see, you know, who are the breakout players? Who are the rookies? Who are this? And, and this is sort of what, uh, you know, the massive NFL media machine does to, uh, to continue generating interest when there absolutely is nothing going on. But that's going to change quickly. As we mentioned, uh, we're really just 20 days away from Bucks rookies. 20 days, folks, less than three weeks. We're, this is the, the month we have just passed, the final month without football as you said uh, to me before the podcast. So we got July is upon us, which means the opening of training camps, if you can believe it. I know I can't. Um, but uh, that, that is reality. And then 24 days for the veterans. One of these, uh, you know, Las Vegas has a lot of odds and things that come out. And uh, I saw where Jameis Winston and Mike Evans are both. If you, if you want to bet that they'll be the MVP of the league, you're going to get 100 to 1. Come on, man, 100 to 1. Put down 1000 bucks. Come on. Uh, I would but, think uh, if Mike Evans is getting the MVP, Jameis would probably get it over him. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 not like it's hard Mike, for a receiver like to Mike, win yeah, anyway. It's not like Mike's returning kicks, too. It's something where he can do something without his quarterback. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I would think it would be yeah. harder for Mike Evans to win it than Jameis. Probably. And the, and the biggest point is that they were the only ones that were given any odds on the Buccaneers, of course, and that makes sense. But. Um, it got me to thinking, you know, while the Rays, it was interesting because I'm, I'm at home and I'm watching the Rays game, and then also I like to flip around. And the NFL Network, you know, again, this being a dead time, there's no real breaking news, so they don't have live content necessarily. It's usually, um, you know, in a football life or something like that. They were playing, you know, hard knocks, training camp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from two years ago. And, man, it doesn't seem that long ago, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't turn away. It was like watching an accident that I was part of. And, uh, and I remember those days, I, you know, Deshaun Jackson had just come aboard here. Uh, Chris Baker, of course, was here. Uh, and, and, you know, with, and Dirk Cutter had such optimism, you know, uh, as, as the head coach and, uh, you know, coming off a, a pretty good season, although he didn't make the playoffs, but they were coming off a 9-7 and seven season. Everybody, I remember everybody was picking them to win the NFC South. In fact, a lot of people on you know, various uh, you know, NFL shows were saying that not only could they win the NFC South, but they were sort of the, sort of the darling pick to, you know, to make it to the championship game, perhaps even a Super Bowl. And so the hype was real. You know, the hype was huge. And, of course, Hard Knocks with HBO is such a great show, and, and, and it's so well done. Um, but, man, I'm telling you, uh, you sat there and you watched those interviews with Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans talking to him and, um, you know, Jameis trying to throw the deep ball to him in practice and not, not doing such a good job with it. And, um, you know, the, the, every problem was sort of there. I mean, Chris Baker uh, was actually ridiculing the Jaguars who wound up that year going to the AFC Championship game and nearly beating the New England Patriots. And he was, you know, sort of ridiculing them for being Jacksonville. Uh, and then, you know, the preseason games, you remember the bad rhymes with Jameis Winston, you know, talking to his quarterbacks and centers before they went out on the preseason game, and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick saying, I think your rhyme's a little too long. And then Jameis throwing from his backside, literally, uh, you know, in that preseason game, getting picked off in the end zone and Cutter just losing his mind. And and, and I, I say this because all of those things um, – what what became of that season were all right there. You know what I mean? In plain sight. Um, you, you could see that Jackson was a little uncomfortable playing off Mike Evans. 
you know, that Mike Evans was he was the man. He was the offense, you know, and, and, and Jackson was trying to find out a way to sort of fit and, and provide something the Bucks didn't have was an explosive player down the field. And yet Jameis struggled to give him the ball, and he did from the outset. The kicking woes, you know, that was when they cut Roberto Aguayo. And so th- there was all kinds, there's all kinds of things that, that, that went wrong. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was just interesting to me. But, but the one thing that, that I come back to um, in, in, in watching this was, you know, the best thing that the Bucks have going for them, and it, there, this is, there's no other way around this, it's Jameis Winston to Mike Evans. Like, that's where you start. That's where everything begins. Right, those two guys—they have been here together. Um, Mike, obviously, a year longer than Jameis, but Mike has never had less than a thousand-yard season. They have tremendous chemistry, and when you lose Adam Humphreys, right, um, that's going to be take a bite out of you. But you still have O.J. Howard, and you have Chris Godwin, and all those guys. But the one thing that they can do is he can throw the ball to Mike Evans, and that's a pretty good start. You know, when you talk about quarterback-receiver combinations. What Bruce Arians did with Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, all that, um, I I would be I would be pretty good with their offense just starting there. Now they're going to need other guys to come around, and I'm not you know they're running backs. So we talk about rankings; they've been ranked very very low uh, when people do these rankings with Peyton Barber, and uh, you know not not exactly knowing uh, you know how how all that's going to go in the run game with the offensive line and. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And Ronald Jones not having a good rookie year. and Is he going to have a breakout season or is he just going to be a bust? So there's a lot of questions, Marks, on the offensive side. But, but I think I still think that if you've got a Jameis Winston and a Mike Evans playing now, this will be, what, their fifth year together, I want to say. Um, that's, that's something to start with. If Mike can stay healthy and get into great shape and, you know, let the passing game run through him, Uh, And then we'll just see. You know, the other thing that stood out was Mike Smith was a bad defensive coordinator. He just was. And they, they, you never really knew what they were going to do. I mean, it's funny watching just a couple years ago, too, Gerald McCoy just disrupt practice. I mean, he just destroyed practices and how they couldn't block him. And the coaches are like, geez, this guy won't let us practice. And, you know, he's buying food trucks for the, for the team in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, all the things that McCoy, you know, became known for. And now you look two years down the road, and, and of course, he's in Carolina with um, a lot of bitterness and feeling disrespected and that sort of thing. So, you know, the NFL moves quickly. It moves fast, and all those coaches that were in that hard knock show are all gone. But Jameis Winston and Mike Evans are still here, and that's a pretty good place to start. So I'm anxious to see just, uh, just, just how they put this thing together. And we are not far away. I'm, you know, I, I, I kind of – I know what the road ahead is. I know how long it is, so I'm trying to embrace these last couple of days or weeks or whatever while we still have a little bit of vacation outside of this podcast. Speaking of vacation, by the way, um, we're going to be uh, you know, enjoying our 4th of July. We will have a show on the 4th of July. we got a lot of great guests coming up this week. Uh, we're going to have Tom Jones, of course, my former radio partner and the former columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. Matt Baker is going to join us this week to talk about uh, college football. We're, we're even closer uh, in some respects to the college football season beginning. Um, so lots to talk about. I might have my good friend Ed Werder from ESPN, former ESPN uh, commentator, uh, reporter uh, that I've known that covered the Bucks, uh really as, as early as I did and then went on to Dallas. And, uh, yeah, yeah, Ed Werder from Valley Ranch. You always hear Berman talk about him. Uh, he has a great personal story and, and, of course, still covering football for Westwood One and things like that. So a lot of stuff coming to you this week, and uh, we're looking forward to it. But it is – 
it is a holiday weekend, and yet uh, we still got baseball. We've still got lots of uh, NFL and NBA news, and we'll see what the Lightning do in the NHL. So busy week. Okay, so for Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.